101. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. Remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so we're in Jeremiah 25. So 20, uh, 1 to 24 uh, was basically Jeremiah's greatest hits, and then 25 kind of uh, puts a cap, kind of puts a lid on uh, that particular section of Jeremiah. So 25 is going to uh, be more um, detailed and specific about the actual exile, right? And so essentially, this is summing up Jeremiah's prophecies up until this point, right? So he speaks of this 70 years that uh, Judah will be in Babylon. Now, it's so good. This is so good, man, because the people of God, he says, according to Jeremiah, will be exiled for 70 years. And when you look at it historically, it almost like it technically lines up 70 years on the dot. Right. So 605 B.C., the first wave of exiles go into Babylon. Right. 597 B.C., another wave goes into Babylon. Right. And then 586 uh, is the final wave that actually goes into Babylon. And then finally, after the 70 years, so from 605 to about 536, 535-ish B.C., they come back. They literally come back 70 years <laughs> after uh, they've been in Babylon. They come back to the land of Judah. And it's just so crazy, man. Like, this is real talk. Like, this is outside of, you know, extra biblical sources and everything involved included. This is what actually happened. And so Jeremiah uh, is essentially saying this before it even takes place. Now, what's interesting, too, is that Jeremiah is clear, too. He's like, hey, fam, like, y'all just, y'all don't just... Y'all, y'all ain't just persecuting the prophets. Y'all are actually ignoring them too, fam. Like y'all have a long history of doing the exact same thing. And we know uh, this history is going to continue all the way down to the personal work of Jesus Christ, the end time last days prophet who was rejected and even killed for our sins. And all of the prophets, according to Jeremiah here, wanted the same thing. They just wanted God's people to repent, right? And uh, I love it because he's like, yo, he's clear, like, hey, the Lord wanted repentance. Y'all going to go into exile. But even after the exile, God, I'm going to judge Babylon too, right? So we see the impartiality of God. He critiques both sides and he critiques all sides, right, with this equal standard of holiness and justice. Once again, this is why God is more just than us, because we are uh, so subjective. We are so biased that we often can't critique our own people, our own side, or we only critique our own side, no critique the other side, right? And so um, God is, is very much objective and that he uh, holds everyone to his righteous and holy standard. And so he goes to Egypt, Uz, Edom, Moab. He, he goes on and on and on about the different nations that will drink the cup of God's wrath, right? And it's interesting because that wrath language, uh, the, the cup language is what Jesus will say in the garden of Gethsemane when he's saying like, yo, Lord, um, he doesn't say yo, but he says, uh, Lord, if you just would, you know, take this cup from me. And what he's speaking of is the wrath he's about to take this for the sins of humanity. But I love in verse 30, the metaphor switches. He says, um, the Lord roars from on high. He makes his voice heard from his holy dwelling. He roars loudly over his grazing land. He calls out with a shout like those who tread grapes against all the inhabitants of the earth. He switches the metaphor from the wine and the cup to that of a lion. In other words, um, this this lion imagery of roaring against your enemies is something that is present in what God is going to do uh, in his uh, final judgment. And so the book of Revelation 
is interesting too because it this is where it calls Jesus not just the lamb who was slain for our sins who sits on the throne but also the lion of the tribe of Judah right God will judge those who turn against him and I love it too because Jeremiah once again is not just a prophet to Judah he's a prophet to the nations just like Jesus is the uh in time prophet not just for Israel but for the nations and God is establishing his kingdom God is establishing his kingdom in regardless of the name that you bear fam like if you are an unrighteous kingdom an unrighteous empire the Lord has to uproot you so he can plant his righteous one on the earth 26 comes and 26 to 29 is going to be this theme of false prophecy that's going to run throughout it. But 26, many would people, many people would call this a second temple sermon. So remember chapter seven, we got his famous sermon. He got his greatest hits. That was probably one of his best songs. You feel what I'm saying? Uh, Jeremiah seven uh, was a temple sermon and 26 is the second one, right? So he's going to come and say many of the same things. He says, uh, verse six, speaking uh, on behalf of the Lord, he says, I will make this temple like Shiloh. I will make this city an example for cursing for all the nations of the earth. The temple would be destroyed right Shiloh uh, was this sanctuary that dwelt uh, in the land in the times of David and God is saying that he what he did then he will do again right because listen the people of God believed they were good with him because of a building fam they believed it was good because they, because they had perfect church attendance right because they were uh uh you know taking the Lord's Supper and they had all of the regulations and the religious services and rituals in place but they didn't have real repentance they didn't have real righteousness and the Lord keeps saying all throughout the prophets I am not pleased I'm not. I really care about how you treat other human beings. I really care about how you live your day to day life. And Jeremiah prophesies against the people. And guess what? They don't like it. Of course they don't. Of course. And so you know what they say? They say, oh, you must surely die. This is language that is going to be used in this section that echoes language that is actually used uh, by the serpent in Genesis chapter three. Right. Remember when she he was talking with um, the first woman and he's like, you won't surely die. Right. They're using the language of the serpent. So the people of God in this time have begun to speak the language of the serpent rather than the language of the Lord. Right. They wanted to give my man Jeremiah the death penalty. Right. But Jeremiah is clear. He's like, yo, no, for certain, fam, like that. If you put me to death, if y'all kill me, I ain't I ain't lifted a finger against y'all. You will bring innocent blood on yourselves, on this city and on its residents, for it is certain <laughs> the Lord has sent me to speak all these things directly to you. Uh, it's so interesting that, again, Jeremiah's life is uh, patterned after the Lord's life, uh, the Lord Jesus, where uh, they didn't just want him dead. They actually did kill him. Right. Um, but the thing here this, that I think that could be missed if we don't have the, the, the sweep of Scripture in mind, the history of redemption why did like you have to ask yourself why did they want him dead because listen jeremiah is prophesying against the temple what many people have said is like they probably thought that jeremiah was going against god's promises now remember second samuel 7 first chronicle 17 i always refer to them because they're so important for the old testament the, the temple was supposed to be built by david's son and this was supposed to be God's house and where God dwelt as king. And this uh, a temple and David's throne were intertwined and they were supposed to be existing forever. God's throne and David's throne was supposed to be intertwined and existing forever. So to destroy the temple that God promised David that his son would build is to go against God. It's to go against his promises. It's to go against his word. 
And the irony, oh my God, the irony is that in in them saying that um that, that that Jeremiah should die, them thinking he should die because he's going against his word, the fact of the matter is that is that they're actually going against God's word. And that's the whole reason Jeremiah is prophesying in the first place. And it I love it because at the end of the day, like I think what the text wants us to see, like it's not even just telling us, it's trying to show us, is that in every single age, God's people, the church, needs discernment. Like we need discernment, especially in our age, the influence of culture. You dig what I'm saying? Uh, we all influences, right? We have to understand the accent of the serpent versus the word of the Lord, right? They thought Jeremiah was being unfaithful to the word, but the crazy thing is, is that they were right they were they were they were um 27 comes and we have another prophetic sign act jeremiah is told to take a yoke and place it around his neck to symbolize the metaphorical rule and reign of babylon that would come over the nations first and then over the people of god god says yo nebuchadnezzar is my servant interesting language and you are to submit to him taking him uh uh let them take you into exile because my power or because his power is in my hand right in other words this text and all throughout the book of jeremiah we've been saying this a ton um god is going to call nebuchadnezzar his servant right because even in taking the people of god into exile and thinking that he is conquering folks with power and force he is actually carrying out the will of god right so god in other words is more sovereign more in control and more uh, uh powerful than our minds can actually comprehend he is the king of kings the sovereign ruler over the whole earth right and he is trying to show that by what he was saying and doing with jeremiah right now the false prophets while jeremiah is saying all this the false prophets are outside they outside they're everywhere they're on every corner right and they out here telling folks not to go into exile to resist the king of babylon right and once again god's people got to know who to listen to so who was the true prophet who was the true prophet we see this theme slide down to 28 hananiah cat named hananiah comes on the scene he comes in in 28 and contradicts everything jeremiah is saying right he says, in the name of the Lord, too. He's speaking in the name of the Lord. So he, putting, he ain't putting respect on God's name. He says, I've broken the yoke of the king of Babylon within two years. Right? He's saying this is the Lord's word. I will restore to this place all the articles of the Lord's temple that King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon took from here and transported to Babylon. So in other words, he tries to simply say that the judgment. Remember, Jeremiah said 70 years. He says that the judgment that Yahweh has proclaimed was one that will be a lot shorter. Right? Two years instead of 70 years. Right? Um. And what you see is that, once again, false prophets distort the judgment of God. We said this a few episodes ago. False prophets distort the judgment of God. Remember Satan in Genesis chapter 3, right? Remember earlier in the book of Jeremiah. And when you distort the judgment of God, you often distort, distort the good news of the gospel as well, right? They go hand in hand. And Jeremiah responds. He says, the prophets who preceded you and me from ancient times prophesied war, disaster, and plague, Deuteronomy, against my lands and uh, against many lands and great kingdoms. As for the prophet who prophesies peace, only when the word of the prophet comes true, hmm, will the prophet be recognized uh, as the one the Lord has truly sent. In other words, fam, I'm not making this stuff up out of thin air. This is what Jeremiah is saying. I'm indeed in line with the great tradition of God's people. So in other words, 
for you to go against them is to go against or for you to go against me is for you to go against them as well right it's not just me you're talking about this is this I'm, I'm speaking in in line with the mosaic covenant right and so fa like false prophets according to jeremiah are people who proclaim peace peace when there is no peace right they proclaim god's pleasure when god is in fact dis pleased and so jeremiah is trying to be clear about that and so what happens at the end is interesting as well hananiah is going to come and he's going to break the wooden yoke around jeremiah's neck and yahweh what the lord does is he replaces the iron yoke he places it with an iron yoke taken from and this is taken from deuteronomy 28 right he replaces his uh wooden yoke with an iron yoke and this represents once again the the enemy babylon <laughs> Uh, placing uh, Judah under their yoke of judgment. So what you see here is this, the word of a prophet that doesn't come true, it means he's a false prophet. You prophesy something in the name of the Lord, it doesn't come true according to Deuteronomy 18. You are a false prophet and you are subject to the very judgment of God that you're trying to subvert. And Hananiah here, his word doesn't come true. But Jeremiah, as we know, does right he is the true prophet prophet he is uh who god's people should listen to and listen god's people gotta be able to recognize we need discernment real saints gotta recognize real prophets that's come that comes from the real word of god we need to pray uh for discernment today so that our hearts will be kept from believing lies let's pray god we ask for your grace to know your word in such a way that we will not believe the lies of the enemy. We pray that you will protect us from those lies.